0: Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Michelle Natalia Moore about how to be the leader that turns organizational attention into market advantage. Michelle, Natalia Moore, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast.
1: Thank you. Hello, Jonathan.
0: I am super excited to have this conversation. It's so fun talking with you in the pre-interview and getting to know you a little bit better and and sharing some common background. Uh, It's a strange thing how people find those connections. We were chatting about our time in the former Soviet uh, Union space. Um, I lived in uh, Belarus with my family, and we were talking about some of the the current conditions there. Um, And anyways, I I would love to hear more about uh, your time in the former Soviet Union areas, uh, if that comes up in our conversation today. But that won't be the focus of what we talk about today. Today, we're going to be talking about how to be the leader that turns organizational attention into market advantage. Ultimately, that's the goal is we want to lead in order to drive value in the marketplace to drive success of the organization. But it's not an either or proposition. It's not like we can only drive market success or like be good for our people, um, treat our people well. And in fact, when you you treat your people well, it can drive market success. And so we're going to talk about the ins and outs of that and what we can really focus on as leaders to be more effective. As we get started, I wanted to share Michelle's bio with everybody. Michelle Natalia Moore brings 20 years of experience building successful teams, including as partner with Price, Waterhouse, Cooper, Ernst & Young, and in tech startup spaces. Now she helps organizations do better work in half the time. How? By managing organizational attention. Michelle works with leaders and their teams, consultants, advisors, innovators, IT, HR, lawyers, and engineers to design work with five key elements impacting attention in mind. Focus better journeys results in sustained value creation and market advantage. Michelle is the founder of Mind Equity, a management consultancy bringing 21st-century tools and practices to the forefront of team performance. She's a member of MIT's social presence team, uh, teaching team, and speaks at McKay CEO Forum, McGill University, and is featured in the 2020 Digital Wellness Report. Uh, what a tremendous background, a tremendous amount of career success that you've had. I'm super excited to have this conversation with you today. Before we launch on it, anything else you would like to share with listeners by way of your background or personal context?
1: Sure. I think one of the interesting things as I reflect back on 20 20 plus years is that most of my career in the big four consulting space was focused on helping companies improve growth by implementing visible technology, something you can touch and see. And it's so much easier to help companies foster change and transformation when you have something that you can touch and see like a piece of tech, like SAP or e-procurement tools or, or whatever. And now, my focus has shifted to this question on the invisible, this invisible thing we call focus and attention. We can't really touch it. We can see it in behavior, but also this invisible relationship we have with technology, this invisible kind of aspect of tech. And so that's what I find most fascinating. And the challenges associated with tackling something that's more invisible, like what's happening to our brains. Um, so I think that's the nuance of tech that I would add uh, is, is really different in my work right now.
0: I love it. The invisible tech, the focus and attention uh, of what we're doing as leaders and with the, the tools and the resources that we have to drive success for ourselves, for our teams, for the organizations we work in. I, I think that's wonderful. And you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, the, the world we're in today uh, with the range of new technologies and and technological disruption. Uh, we have to, to figure out how to better leverage all of that and do it in uh, a sustainable, effective way, uh, while also balancing the ethical considerations of what we're trying to do. Um, that's, that's a really interesting kind of spinoff topic uh, that we can touch on a little bit today as well. Um, let's, let's bring it back though and talk a little bit more specifically about that focus and that attention. Uh, what specifically do you mean by that? I, I agree. I think that's, that's largely an invisible um, element and it's, it's hard to grapple with. Um, so what do you mean by focus and attention? And then how do we start to bring that into our leadership approach uh, to drive value in the marketplace?
1: Yeah, so these two, these two words directly influence productivity, effectiveness, growth, potential, et cetera, right? And there are two different things. So focus actually is a skill, that can be trained. It is also an act of will that we as humans have the ability to manifest. Um, it's the ability to concentrate. And we weren't trained in how to focus, at least I wasn't. I don't remember ever being trained on how to focus my mind. And I think that's an interesting gap in in education. And um, then the definition of attention is, is different than focus because attention is the mechanism through which the brain harnesses resources. So attention is also a function of the body. It's similar to metabolism. Like metabolism breaks down food into energy and attention is the thing that the brain uses to transform focus. Um, so these two, one is a skill and one is an asset. And they're both kind of invisible. We can see the outputs. And so I believe that attention is really this secret invisible asset that we are largely ignoring in the workplace. And imagine the capacity for innovation, for productivity, if teams actually treated attention as an asset and harnessed it.
0: Yeah, that's that's super interesting. And I, I think about teams that I've been a part of, uh, teams that I've led and just my work as an individual, like I, your, your comment about, you know, we never learn how to focus, but it is something we can develop. We can get better at focus and we can harness our attention, uh, to bring forth better outcomes. Uh, and I'm, I'm trying to think about like, at what point in my life did I really start to tap into that focus? Um, because for whatever reason, uh, you know, you can ask my wife sometimes it's annoying to her but she says yeah you're a a very focused person (laughs) like for whatever reason i that's something i learned how to do and and uh, and i get into the zone or i get into the flow or whatever you want to call it and i'm able to be really productive when i get into that zone um and I, and I can think back, you know, into like my teenage years and, and being able to do that. So I'm not sure like what the trick was, like how, how I did that. Cause I don't remember ever specifically learning about it either. Um, and I, I asked that question because if I, if I don't remember how I got there, I'm not sure how to teach it or, you know, to coach that towards my people. So what what do you think, like, what are some of the ways we can harness that focus and and, and that attention and really develop that as a skill?
1: So I'm going to venture a guess as to how you were able and are still able to, uh, use your focus as a really impactful tool to create value. It is because you are aligned on your purpose you are interested in creating an impact in the world. You you head a social impact program, right? Um, and so you are interested in something wider than just growth, than just monetary growth for, for as a performance metric, right? And so my guess is, not knowing you, uh, is that you get excited and focused about the books that you're writing, the research that you're doing, the consulting that you're doing, and that enables focus. And that is also my experience, and I think there is also, uh, some clear data, when you talk to social innovators in particular, um, they can maintain focus because of the impact that they care about making in the world. So I think that is one key. The other one that is more mainstream is really helping teams answer this question on a team type basis or on a role basis. Um, what are the value creation activities? Like, how do you even define value? And if you're clear on how you for your role defines value and then how your team is adding value to the organization, because that's going to be really, really different in every situation. But if you can define that and then ask the question, well, which activities in my daily workday actually contribute to value creation of, of a tangible asset that we can see? And most teams I find don't know the answer to that question. They don't know what their value creation portfolio is. So those are two, those are two answers to your question, Jonathan. I think.
0: Yeah. Purpose and,
1: and value. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's super interesting. So, so connecting to your why, um, having a clear meaning and purpose, uh, doing things that fulfill you that can drive more focus, more sustained energy and focus towards what you're doing. That, that makes perfect sense to me and there's so much research on you know connecting to purpose and and your why and you know person organization fit person job fit you know co- uh, aligning values and and meaning and purpose to drive fulfillment and productivity so that all makes perfect sense to me um and i think also as you're describing uh, the 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 elements that go the, the what how we define value and the elements that are the desired outputs that is a really key important point because i see so many people who try to be productive they try to be focused but they end up spending spinning their wheels like they spend the vast majority of their time doing things that don't actually um, create the types of outputs that are actually going to bring value to other people uh, and so again, just to turn it inward a little bit, I think about myself and, you know, I'm like, how do I prioritize? How do I focus in on um, those things that are most important and, and decide on what I'm going to let go or spend less attention and time on? Uh, I suppose each of us have to determine that for ourselves, but it comes back to exactly what you just said. It comes back to, you know, how do we define value? Um, what what are the metrics? What what, what are the outputs that, um are indicators of our value creation. And then let's focus on those, those things. And I think you're right, I think most, most teams, most organizations don't do a very good job of defining that. Um, and so they they do, they end up spinning their wheels, they end up recreating um, processes or um, or different things that don't actually help anything and and at the end of the day they don't have a lot to show for the hard work that they did and they did do hard work they they did a lot of really interesting things but at the end of the day if you're not actually producing then it's kind of like the you know if the forest falls in the tree and if the tree falls in the forest and no one's there to hear it Um, and so it's that kind of a situation Uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you about you know in, in relation to attention is like, how, how do you see attention in relation to this idea of flow? I've talked to a lot of um, researchers and practitioners around this flow idea. And, you know, we, we tend to just in our common vernacular, we talk about getting into a flow state or, or, you know, just getting into that state of flow. How do you see that connected with attention? Is it separate or is it, is it a similar thing, just a different way of framing it? Uh, talk to us about that a little bit.
1: Sure, so I definitely believe in the power of flow, especially for the more creative job roles. And if you take Cal Newport's definition of deep work, that this is work that creates new value or that requires also a lot of brain power to produce something and you think about knowledge workers you think about writers you think about innovators and those are people who in order to to create value they have to have a certain amount of focus deep work and space to do that in i.e the blocked time on the calendar. And even when you look at writers like, like Thoreau or, 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 or even current writers like uh, Yuval Harari, who takes breaks of three to four month meditation retreats, right, in the case of Harari, or or people who take walks in the forest. So so this complements deep work, but I think it's, the, you know, the idea of flow is, is varied from person to person and how to harness flow is also very individual but if you get down to what can i as a leader do to harness attention or enable my employees to be in flow or to be in deep work or however they want to describe it then i need to model it myself i need to explain okay this is the these are and these are my challenges so so if i just reflect on myself too um we're in confusing times and most of my career I was Rewarded for multitasking. I hired people with multitasking skills. I would even ask that question: are you good at multitasking? And now I cringe when I hear that because it erodes our brain. You know, it, it it's it's a distraction in and of itself. And so the confusing times that we're in are that we have a culture of overwhelm, of overwork, a culture of busyness, a culture of distraction. And all of these things are bombarding us. And the pandemic has only made that worse because we've layered in anxiety and fear of uncertainty. And all of that so as leaders can we be open and vulnerable about well I'm still addicted to busyness and this is what it looks like I have trouble shutting down the tabs on my computer you know to just focus on one thing at a time and to have some open dialogue about those very personal vulnerabilities related to our relationship with tech or ability to focus and that is a starting point.
0: and explore those ordinary, everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. Yeah, I think that you've raised several really important points and aspects to that. And if, yeah, if we're going to be productive in a sustainable way, we have to, to give time and attention to being present in the moment. And, and it's in the word focus and attention, right? Get, be mindful, be attentive, be focused on what you're doing when you're doing it. Um, and don't allow yourself to, to uh, be distracted by all the other things. You know, um, I'm sitting here in an office, I have three computer screens, I have a tablet, I have a phone, like just with the tech that's just right in front of me, I have the potential to just be all over the place. And I could have like a gazillion windows open at the same time. And I could be doing like five things at once. But we know that you're not really doing five things at once. You are, your your brain has to switch between uh, different things. And some people are able to switch faster than others. But you're still having to switch back and forth and that erodes at your mental acuity and your, your attentiveness. And, so, and it
1: shrinks your brain. That's what's yeah. so scary. The brain is shrinking and, and because we can't see it, we're not it, scared about it.
0: Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, sometimes it, it's it's an interesting thing. You, you referred a, a few minutes ago about kind of the culture of busyness. I think there's kind of this this assumption, this this uh, cultural norm that uh, leaders should be busy all the time. And if they're not, then they're being lazy or something, you know, like something negative. It's, uh, and so you see people running around constantly. They're running around like chickens with their heads cut off. They're running from thing to thing to thing, from meeting to meeting. They're, they're um, trying to multitask, whatever. And when you stop and think about that for half a second, you realize, well, how productive can they possibly be? Uh, if you don't have time to debrief after a meeting and to like process and to think, and you're just going from meeting to meeting to meeting all day long, of course, uh, you're going to end up essentially being a warm body in a seat, not actually processing, not doing much of anything with what is happening in those meetings. Um, Same thing with interactions with people on your team. Uh, Same thing when you're multitasking, like you just have to build in breaks, you have to build in opportunities for the deep work as you described, for the, the strategic work. Um, and there's no substitute for just time and attention and, and focus. And I, I remember that's something I've had to struggle with. I, I am a focused person. I'm a analytical person. I like to be productive. I like to have outputs. I like to be able to show what I've accomplished. and to realize that, you know what? That means I also need to take breaks. I need to, I need to go out and walk my dogs. I need to uh, take time to just sit and be present. And that seems almost counterintuitive. But when you start to get, when you start to practice that and you start to get into that kind of a, a normal routine of just being quiet and mindful and that allows, you, you'll find that it just allows you to focus much, much more. It's, it allows you to be much more productive uh, in those chunks of time that you set aside for different core uh, behaviors, tasks, interactions, whatever. Um, and I'm certainly not perfect at it, but I I found myself that I have I've become much better at it over the years and giving myself the space and allowing myself to not be busy all the time has made a huge, huge difference. And it just, it keeps your energy level up. I'm not feeling burned out. Um, you know, all those things, diminish focus and ultimately diminish attention and your ability to be productive.
1: What you've hit on is the the third element in in my method that impacts our ability to harness attention at work. And that third element is balance. So this degree of balance, the balance we have between rest and work. There's even a great book called Rest that I recommend by Alex Suprem King that talks about this, this balance between rest and work. And the balance also, you mentioned I'm very analytical. Well, what is also in terms of creating innovation in a team? What is the balance between reliance on analytic thought and data and tapping into wisdom and insight practices? Right. And and frankly, all of these things relate to the practices we have in our lives and in the workplace. The other piece of balance is just the mind-body connection. When I'm in my when my head is in my screen all day long, I don't feel my feet. I don't, I'm not in my body. And so my well-being starts to decrease as well. And you know, the, the recent Deloitte burnout survey, I think, shows that I can't remember the exact number, but it went up from 70 to 80 percent risk of, of burnout now in teams. And that is a very scary number. So this relationship with technology and this balance between Interaction with humans versus interaction with machines or zooms or phones right that has our interaction with humans has decreased because of the pandemic. So how can we put some more coins in the bank of of the human interaction, even in this situation, to improve innovation as well as as well being and the other thing I wanted to mention is, is this word productivity, you and I have both used in this conversation. I am really loving the word effectiveness more because productivity relates more to humans as machines or the busyness culture that, that frankly, I feel important when I'm busy, right? It's, it's an ego thing, I, I, I feel important. I don't have time, so therefore I'm important. But if I think about productivity versus effectiveness, effectiveness is getting the right things done. And productivity, is measured in many different ways, but as individuals, I think we use this word in a synonymous way with busyness. Like, I feel productive if I sent a hundred emails. Well, were <laughs> any of them useless? Useful? I don't know, right? Uh, so, there's some interesting vocabulary nuances, right, when you think about these words.
0: Yeah, that's that's super interesting too. So, what you're, what I hear you saying is that it's worth stepping back and reframing. Um, and, and sometimes that means discarding a uh, certain vocabulary that has baggage to it. Like there's nothing w- wrong with the word productivity, but you're right. There's there's a certain level of baggage uh, to that word that we lump in a whole bunch of other things with it. And that framing can negatively impact us and our ability to be balanced, our ability to, to be focused. Um, and so I'm all about healthy reframings and and disrupting and challenging assumptions that are unhealthy. And I think that absolutely should be the case uh, when it comes to work. I mean, there's studies, lots of studies um, about, you know, the most uh, effective duration of work. Um, You know, the eight-hour workday, most people work way more than eight hours a day, but (laughs) say the eight-hour plus workday, you know, that's, that's an artifact of the past in the industrial revolution uh, and, you know, unions and, and such when we were doing more physical labor, but in a knowledge economy, um, you know, let's look at that. the recent Harvard study that talked about the value of a six hour work day, for example, um, there've been other studies that have suggested even less time than that. And And I've found just anecdotally, you know, with my own work that, you know, I can point to, okay, how many hours did I work today? Well, if I if I'm lumping everything together in terms of my mindfulness practices that contribute to my effectiveness and work, uh, it's probably a lot. But when I think about it in terms of balance, uh, I'm thinking, yeah, you know, I, I'm getting a lot done. I'm accomplishing many things. I'm providing value, uh, but there's only a limited amount of time that's actually in that focused work because there's only so much we can do as human beings in a, in a day um, where we're actually being effective in the, in the time that we're spending. So I, I think these reframings are very um, useful and can help us have a, a more healthy approach as we uh, as we lead and are trying to find a balance. But also, like you said earlier, we need to model that. If, if we're trying to help people find their flow um, and, and practice mindfulness and focus and be attentive in, in the work that they do, if, if we're running around like chickens with our heads cut off all the time, you know, at, at just demonstrates to them, no matter what we say, the actions demonstrate that we value busyness over everything else. Um, when really, I shouldn't care um, if someone wants to take a nap in the middle of the day or go on a walk. I shouldn't care if they need to take frequent walking breaks. You know, I should encourage those types of activities because that's going to help them to be energized and more, more effective in what they do.
1: You bring a really good point uh, to the forefront about the eight-hour workday. So I I personally, I absolutely believe that an eight-hour workday, and especially not a 10, 12-hour workday, that these are not necessary anymore. And if we're working eight to 10 to 12 hours a day, two things are likely amiss. Maybe we have too much work on our plate And we just have to ask for that portfolio of work to be balanced and and that could be a job design issue or a lack of employees issue that's one point a lot of people have just too much on their plate for their job role. But the one that we can control in terms of work design of personally and in our teams is. Are we just busy eight hours a day a day, or are we doing value added work for the maximum? Which Cal Newport says you can only do max four hours of truly in flow or or deep work per day, and people are shocked to hear that because when you ask the question, well, how much? focused work would you like to be doing per day?" They're like, well, if I could, I'd be doing eight hours. Well, the brain can't do it. So rest assured, even if you just do the maximum, which for the normal human, for the normal intelligent human, if you're doing two hours of focused work a day, you're a star. And the rest of the time you can spend in meetings and logistical activities. But I firmly believe that the the four-day work week is something that is a reality. Again, if you look at books like Shorter and The 4-Day Workweek um, and all of these new studies coming out showing that it's possible, it's just about shifting the busyness mindset, I think, and about organizing around. And, and when I speak about this, I speak primarily to, to the population that I work with, which is professional services firms or knowledge workers, right? people who primarily think for a living. That is where the the asset of attention is most valuable. In different types of, jo- types of jobs, it's going to be different, right? But I'm, I'm very focused on the knowledge workers sector uh, for obvious reasons, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, excellent. Well, Michelle, it has been a real pleasure talking with you. I know at the time uh, I want to be uh, respectful of your time and let you get on with your busy day. Uh, but before we close, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more, more about the work that you and your team do, how you can help them, and then give us a final word on the topic for today.
1: Sure. So you can find me at mindequity.ca ca for canada mindequity.ca and if you want to get started on focusing better you can do a really quick free assessment using the score your focus tool so if you go on any page on the website you'll see a green button it says score your focus and you'll have 15 questions and you can see where you are in each of these five areas that impact your attention focus culture balance tools and your, your environment of where you're working in. Um, yeah, so that is how you can find me and LinkedIn, Michelle Natalia Moore and the standard um, the social media handles. I, my last word is that I use a, a technology. So, so I'm trying to be a digital minimalist. And so I have pared down my social media activity to just using for professional purposes, LinkedIn and Twitter. And I don't engage in Facebook, or Instagram or other mediums. So that is very design specific in terms of trying to preach, do what I preach, and uh, encourage people also to consider, you know, how to pare down their tools. Um, so, so yeah, that is, that is it. Wonderful.
0: Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you, Michelle. It has been a real pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, to get connected, find out more about what Michelle and her team can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership